To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers podcast, episode 138. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to do what we just do best, and that's discuss sports. The fellas are back in the building, man. What's up, fellas? How y'all feeling? Man, it's a, been a fun week of football. Uh, um, just a fun week of college and NFL football, man. I'm just ready to get at it. Yeah. Same here, man. Been a good week of NFL football. Uh, you know, throwing in a little bit of college in the mix too. Uh, been an interesting week though, man. We've seen kind of a, a lot, you know, not wanting to get ahead of it, but it, it's been fun yet kind of a trying week of football too. Kind of a little tough week of football as well. So, uh, it's been interesting, but I don't want to hold us up, man. We can go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, like you guys say, we've got two weeks of fo- NFL football in the books. And I mean, we've had some big stars go down. I guess we could just start right there. Biggest one being uh, no more than last night, seeing Nick Chubb go down. Very gruesome knee injury. He's already been designated to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, The implications of of the Browns and and their success, we know, is predicated on Nick Chubb and his ability to stay healthy. You know, you know, some people will say that he is the offense. Uh, but man, huge injury there. Um, it, it's a lot to unpack there. But you know, just just start there, man. What, what went through you head? What went through your head when Nick Chubb went down? So yeah, man. When we talk about the Nick Chubb injury, I just feel for the guy. I really feel for him. This is the same guy that had the injury in college back in 2014, coming into the NFL, um, where he tore his LCL, PCL, MCL, and had a kneecap displacement. Uh, so. And then he injured that same knee last night. So just really seeing that happen to him twice, you really have to him in his career going forward. This is what finishes, you know, coming back injury twice is, you know, not an easy thing to do. So um, I really felt for him, um, you know, and us in our fantasy world, everything, everybody moves on and think about the next thing and the next person or whatever. But just as a human being, just seeing that injury from a guy, probably one of the top two, if not one running backs in the league. Yeah, like you said, man, it was it was definitely tough to witness. And the thing about it is, like, you knew it had to be really bad and gruesome because they initially, of course, on the broadcast would not, like, replay the injury or, like, show it. But they did show, like, the audiences – I mean, not the audience, the crowd's reaction uh, to the injury because they did play it in the stadium. And then, obviously, when you're on Twitter and different things of that sort, then you are going to see the video, and it was – Definitely a gruesome injury. Like you could see just from the jump of it that it will be uh, the end of his season. And I think the thing 
that is definitely tough with it as well is that you're seeing really a, a running back that's, you know, pretty much in his prime and at his peak. You know, I think it's arguable or may not even be arguable that like last season was Nick Chubb's best year in the NFL. Like we saw him at the height of his powers. As you said, you can look at him and view him as no doubt a top three running back in the league. Some say it's just a pure runner, maybe the, the best running back in the league. And so to see a guy like that in his prime, as you also alluded to as well, a guy who's the focal point of an offense, um, man, it, it was just kind of it was tough to see, man. You don't, you don't want to see things like that. And then ultimately, like you said, we think about it from the fantasy aspect, but now this is a guy that has to go through that long rehab that it's going to take to get back onto the field. And so, you know, man, it, it was just a tough sight. Yeah, you hate to see that. I mean, you look at a guy that you, you don't hear anything about him off the field, just straight business. Uh, so, I mean, I couldn't think of a better, a worse guy that they could, this could happen to, not just because of how professional he is on the field, but how professional he is off of it. Um, you hear nothing but good things from his peers and the people that coach him. So uh, you got to feel for the guy. I hope that he has a speedy recovery, a successful recovery, but as gruesome as it is, you know, you don't want to speculate on, on things like this, but you have to think, will he ever be the same again um, at his age? Uh, and, you know, I, you, like you alluded to, Ramon, I mean, he's in his prime, uh, you know, and then you got to think about the contract situation with running backs, not one to get, not one to be paid. This, this, the owners not want to pay the running back, you know, this, this off season. And I, I think this kind of lands on the owner's side here about why they don't want to pay him just because of, how brutal the sport is and how much punishment these running backs take. Um, but um, I, I tend to land on the side of the running backs and, and getting paid. But, you know, as far as owner, how they look at it, they're like, okay, if I invest all of this money in him and now Nick Chubb is out for the rest of the season, it, it, it's just, you know, it, it really adds to the, to the owner's case and in, in their stance in it. Yeah. I mean, it's just the looking at that and just thinking on that, it's just running back is the only position where, the more value volume they get on a team, the less valuable they get, right? They have more tread on their wheels, right? It's not like you look at a receiver and think, oh, all catches he's getting and he's becoming less valuable. But you look at a running back, the running back position, the more carries they get and the more hits they take, they're like, oh, they're losing value. And, you know, and it's always that age range. We talk about where they fall off between 28 and 30 years old. Their shelf life is just not as long. It's just unfortunate you get it from both sides, right? You think the running back should be one of those positions that um, they pay because they're taking the most punishment. And then you look at the owners, like you mentioned, you know, they, why would you invest into something that has such high injury rate? Um, but, you know, I think my way of thinking about it, the way to fix it is you pay those running backs more coming out of college because that's when they're the most valuable. That's when they have the less, quote unquote, tread on their wheels. You give, You make their rookie scale a little higher and that's how you just incentivize them. And that's just that's the only way I think you can fix that. Yeah, no, y'all, y'all stated it. Really nothing to add there. Like y'all both said, I mean, you really see both sides of, of this situation that really come to fruition. You see why the running backs obviously want to protect themselves from a contract standpoint. And you see why owners don't really want to invest. So it's like one of those where both sides are really kind of right in this equation, but uh, the tough part about it is that still ultimately in both sides being right, it still looks like the running backs lose out, you know. 
Yep. So fantasy implications, but realistic implications and real life implications. Jerome Ford stood in, stood in for Nick Chubb and he ran, I think, 66% of the snaps. So we know that he's valuable on your waiver wire. So if he's available, I would go ahead and grab him. He looks like he's going to be the guy for now. Now, there is uh, Kareem Hunt out there who was reportedly visiting Cleveland today, and we know that he was with Cleveland last year and had a, a very prominent role, a frustrating role for me because I had Nick Chubb and he was eating all his carries. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but then you have Leonard Fournette is a name that nobody's talking about that is out there that, that could possibly sign. I'm not saying that he is. I don't know anything about it, but he is available. So um, it's interesting to see. What, what do you guys expect the Browns to do here? Will they hold strong to to forward, or will, will they be looking to add some more depth with, with a Hunt or a, a Fournette? I think the coach came out and said today that they're going to add a piece. But um, if it's Kareem Hunt, I think that does challenge the role of Jerome Ford, you know, because again, he's familiar with the system. Um, and he is a guy that's still under that 30 years old. Um, I think it's still Jerome Ford's back, but I think Kareem Hunt does pose more of a threat to that backfield than a Pierre Strong, who is now the running back, too. Um, so I think he does challenge that role a little bit more. He may still, he may fall exactly into his role what it was last year when uh, Nick Chubb was the guy. Yeah, like you said, ultimately, if somebody like a Kareem Hunt or even a Leonard or something like that is brought in, it'll become running back by committee, even if, you know, Jerome Ford is still the number one running back, which I still anticipate him to be the number one running back over there. But no doubt it becomes running back by committee. And you also, you know, I mean, we've seen organizations do it for years at this point, but especially when you see your RB1 take this type of injury, it almost gives you that more incentive, even though it, it it's play by play, but it gives you that more incentive to try to protect your guys at this point and lighten their load and just spread it across. So um, it definitely will get interesting if one of those names like Kareem Hunt or Leonard, um, you know, has an opportunity. And it may not just be exclusive to Cleveland at this point, because we've seen obviously guys go down across the league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're two weeks in in the NFL season. Uh, we'll we'll touch on, of course, real life football and these zero and two teams. Uh, but then we'll also talk about give a little advice to those teams who may have got off to a slow start uh, in your fantasy leagues and give you a little advice. A lot of people are hitting the panic button, uh, GMs and and fantasy football team owners alike. Uh, but uh, what are some zero and two teams that have started off out to get a little slow that you feel will will turn it around eventually? And um, if you want to give which 0-2 team is shocking you the most. This is easy, right? Um, I'm just say the Bengals, right? I mean, no one really expected them to be 0-2, maybe 1-1. One one. Um, but I'm not panicking on them. Well, you know what? I'm going to switch my answer now. <laughs> I am kind of panicking on them because of the Joe Burrow injury. <laughs> you know, and he is the engine that make that team run. Um, and if he's not right, and we've seen these first two games, he hasn't been right, and he tweaked that hamstring at the end of the game. Um, and then he has the Rams up on Monday night, who's a team that's been playing over expectation. Um, so really seeing him not play up to his strength, seeing Chase really struggle, that whole offense struggle has just been a little frustrating. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that one. To to me, throw another team um, into the equation. I kind of battled back and forth between two of them, but I'm going to say the, the L.A. Chargers, you know, I feel like they came into the season with, you know, high expectations. 
obviously they came in with a new offensive regime and things of that sort. Um, but honestly, the defense has been terrible this season. Like their defense has struggled no matter how many all pro guys or pro bowl guys that they have on that defense, it has struggled tremendously. And I think that, you know, them getting off to that 0 and 2 start has been disappointing because they were a team that you looked at that you expected to maybe take the next step and they've kind of regressed. Yeah, those are two good ones. I'm gonna go Minnesota Vikings here. You know, you look at the year that they've had last year. And for them to start out the gate 0 and 2 against uh I, I mean I would expect them to would have gone one and one because the Eagles are are Super Bowl contenders. But I mean to lose to the Buccaneers, who may be better than what we think, they're two and oh right now. But I just felt as though they would have got off to a better start. Um it looks like Justin Jefferson is frustrated. Uh I mean, you look at a game um against the Bucks where he um had 10 catches in the first half, and I think he was only targeted maybe twice in that second half. Um, of course, against the Eagles, you know, he had a little um, let's see, he had a better game there, but, you know, 11 catches, 159. But it seems as though he's frustrated with how the offense is operating. Um, and we know that that's the start of the league. And then you, when you look at a Kirk Cousins and you look at what happened in New York, you have some guys saying, hey, maybe Minnesota should blow this thing up with Kirk and trade him away to the Jets. And it will make sense for the Jets to take him on with Aaron Rodgers being out. Um, but. I don't know. I mean, Minnesota, Jim coming out the gate this slow is um, is shocking to me. I mean, you look at Alexander Madison, who behind we've been itching to see him featured in that backfield when he was behind Dalvin Cook. And he's gotten off to a slow start, surprisingly. And that, that's fantasy implications for those Alex uh, Madison owners there. But, you know, I, I don't know, man. Minnesota, I don't know. And so I, I don't know. I don't see it. They don't look like a good team. And, you know, I think it, it does imp implicate, too, their schedule last year, you know, they had a cakewalk of a schedule um, and they kept winning these games in, in weird ways. They didn't win by big margins last year. So I, I'm going with the Vikings uh, here. But out of all those 0-2 teams, who do y'all think will turn it around? I, man, I, I really don't say the Vikings, the teams you just talk about. I think they have the best chance just because of I talk, look at the Bengals, the injury history of – Burrow, he doesn't look right. I think they just have – I think the Vikings play some tough teams, right? You look at the last game that they just played, right? That was not an easy team that they played. Yeah, playing um, the Eagles was a tough The Eagles, right? Yeah, it's tough. yeah Super, I expect them to Super lose Bowl contender, yeah. right? And then yeah. you look at that, that's really, really challenging for a team to come in and beat a team like that. Um, and then they played the really disappointing. They lost yeah. by three points to the Bucks in the week one. <laughs> I look at right in the Bucks of right now, or and we'll get to that later. That's playing over expectation too, um, but they just got lit up by Mike Evans week one. I just I think that they play some tough teams, right? And um, I think that they will get it together and turn it around. Yeah, um, and I would say I I agree with that. I would say as well too. Just as I mentioned, the Chargers on the negative side of things, they would be my pick. You know, likely to turn it around because when you look at it. Ultimately, they've lost the two games by a total of five points. You know, they pretty much led most of that game or were in kind of more so of control of that game against the, the Dolphins. And obviously, Tua led that game winning drive where they obviously took over right at the end. Uh, so you look at a team that was right there going drive for drive with the Miami Dolphins, and then you go into overtime and lose, you know, by a field goal. So to me, they've been right there on the cusp of winning 
either of those games or, or potentially both of those games. So they would be my pick. The only hesitancy I have is how long this Austin Eckler injury lingers, uh, because as we were able to see, there's a difference between Austin Eckler and uh, Joshua Kelly. We were able to definitely see that on Sunday. So, <laughs> And people were spending all their fab money on Josh Kelly. And for him to come out there this past week and do what he did, very disappointing performance there. Uh, but we have a few 2-0 and teams, including my Saints, who that. Um, and, <laughs> you know, we got we got uh, Miami 2-0 as well, which is no surprise there. We got the Ravens 2-0, probably no surprise there. Uh, Dallas 2-0, uh, Atlanta 2-0. Uh, check this out, guys. Three of the four NFC South teams are 2-0 in Atlanta and Tampa Bay, along with my New Orleans Saints. Uh, man, out of all these 2-0 teams, are there any surprises here so far? Yeah, I mean, if you look at even the NFC East as well, there are that's three teams in that division that's 2-0 with the Washington Commanders. Um, so when I look at 2-0 surprises, let's just keep it real. The Bucks, right? The Bucks and the Falcons. Yeah. I mean, we look at that NFC South period that you mentioned. You think it's supposed to be a weak division to start, right? That the Saints supposed to roll through that division. You know, old Baker Mayfield over there, you know, laying his pads and telling people, yeah, laying his pads and telling people get their weight up. You know, and he really showing up and he's playing well right now. And I'm really impressed with him. He looks like he's having fun again. Um, he did mention that last year when he with his stint with the Rams that revitalized his career. Um, he really I took was off. sure make it a Rams podcast. I'll say this about it, um, about the NFC South, and I'll admit, us included, I think we've started off with easy games. I think the Bucks probably had, like, okay, Minnesota, which we don't, we don't really know who they are. Now, I will say the Titans are better than people are giving them credit for with their defense. So I do think that that our win there was legitimate. Um, but I, I, I do think that it, it's early to tell. Um, I'm personally with the Saints. I'm disappointed in our offensive play, play calling. And our offense is, is, is light years behind our defense right now. And we're going to have to get that fixed. I don't think it's anybody's fault like Derek Carr's fault. I really just feel like it's coaching. Um, but my 2-0 team, I go with um, – that I'm, I, I don't know. I don't think it's that that much of a surprise here, uh. But um, I have been really impressed with the Cowboys, um, just how well their defense have been playing, and they really look like a true true contender, uh, defensively. Um, you thought they would have lost the stuff because they lost the offensive coordinator, uh, Kellen Moore, over the offseason, but it, and it looks like they haven't missed a beat. Um, I, I, you know, I think the defense is just so good that. They don't have to be relying on the offense like they have in years past. But, yeah, I wouldn't say that they're a surprise to me, but I guess that's my impressive 2-0 team. Yeah, I feel like y'all y'all took the surprises because I was definitely just going to say the whole NFC South. Um, other than that, <laughs> other, than, other than that, like, to me, there's no real surprises out there because even when I look at the commanders, like, people would probably maybe allude to them being somewhat of a surprise but I really don't feel like they've played anybody impressive at this point. So it's like they should have lost that game to the Broncos. The Broncos need their butts kicked, you know, yeah, that, yeah. you know, speaking of that, I'm kind of glad that the Broncos are off to that. zero and two start. Now I'm a guy, I do actually like Russell Wilson, unlike a lot of people, you know, disliking him, but Sean Payton rubbed me like the wrong. I just didn't like the way he operated this off season and calling the thing. you <laughs> hack it out. 
and all that type of <laughs> stuff like that. And I'm like, look at you now. You know, you did all that talking about how he performed with that roster and things of that sort. And now you find yourself in an 0-2 hole. And let's see how you're going to dig your way out of that. So I'm kind of a little bit glad that Sean Payton is kind of dealing with what he's facing right now. Well, I and I was going to I was really close on them as a team. And I thought that can turn it around because I think I do think they have the weapons. Right. That was going to be my bonus one. And they lost by a combined of three points in their first two games. You know, one point week one and then two points. Obviously, we saw how that game ended with the Broncos this last time. Um, not a, not, I mean, being here and being around the Broncos fan, I'm here stationed in Colorado. You know, it's it's been a lot of disappointment, you know, walking around with their team. But um, it's it's I think that they can turn around. I think they have the pieces to turn this thing around. They just got to get. And I think Russ hasn't looked necessarily yeah, he's bad pretty either. Good. Yeah. No, he's right. good. I don't yeah. think he's looked necessarily that he's looked definitely better than he has this pre past years. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I agree with you, Ramon. He, you know, Sean <laughs> Payton was in uh full commentator mode this offseason. I don't know what he was doing. But uh he forgot he know. was a coach. He forgot he was a coach of a team. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on, but uh, I, I think they can turn it around. Yeah. yeah the I one mean, they only I, lost by yeah, like you said, they they've lost some close games. They'll be fine. But yeah, they gonna look the, this though. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say. The only thing that that does concern me about them still, honestly, is within their next what six game that that is. They have the Dolphins, and they also have the Chiefs twice within their mm, next six yeah. games. And so then too, depending, they got a tough defense that they face in the Jets, and they also, I mean, we're still obviously finding out about Green Bay and who they are, but. Aaron Jones should be back up and running at that point by the time they play them. I, I, so, need, him, I need him back this week, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard I saw some reports he'll be back this week. Don't don't prolong it, my brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the only thing that concerns me a little bit with them is the schedule that they have coming up. I bet they better beat the Bears. I tell you that. They really get out to an 0-4 start right there. <laughs> you know, after they after they play uh the Dolphins this, this week. Um, but yeah, my follow-up question to that is we we mentioned the two and team. So um which 2-0 team do you feel can really run the table? I already gave mine in Dallas. Do y'all agree with that one? Or did y'all have another 2-0 team that y'all feel as though um they're really they're really who they say they are? Uh I I mean I would say the 49ers. Oh, who yeah, they yeah, say yeah, that's true. That's they, true. They are. That's true. Um, yeah. And, and I would say I don't know why they always an afterthought. Like they <laughs> yeah. just be flying under the radar to me. Like the, the 49ers always managed to do that. Yeah, and I would say, and, and it's crazy because I always give them grief for, for making it around podcast and all that. But I will say the Rams have surprised me this year so far. Yeah, they because, better than what I thought they was going to be. Right, because sure. I really viewed the 49ers in that upper echelon, and that was a, that was a serious game, you know, on Sunday. Like, that was a, a back what's and up, forth to me. What's up with y'all game? What's up with y'all stadium? It's a home game for y'all. It looked like a. 49ers home game, bro. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, let's first it that is annoying. That is the most annoying thing. The 49er fans just make me so mad. But that's what happened when you remove a team from us 20 years, right? And have a chance to build a fan base. All all those people that were showed up to 49ers, they probably stay right there in LA, right? When you move a team to go to St. Louis for 20 plus years, that's what happens. You know, you lose your fan base. So it's just gonna take time for them to really build a fan base, a young fan base. So that way it's not a home game for the 49ers every time we play them at home. 
Well, I, I agree, brother. Hey, so let's transition a little bit. What, what podcast will we be unless we talk a little fantasy here? So we got we know that there's some owners that have started off 0-2 and they're quick to have to hit the panic button. Uh I had to calm myself down earlier. Uh, I got I've gotten off to an 0-2 start, but that's what happens when you face Tyreek that that goes off like a maniac in week one for 45 fantasy points. It, that happens. And then this week I had David Montgomery and Saquon go down in the same week on the same team. So I didn't even have a shot this week. So my 0-2 start is really justified. But I will say that that kind of goes into the advice. But for us as fantasy vets, we owe it to our listeners. Is there any advice for these 0-2 fantasy owners to calm their nerves as they proceed in their season? I mean, I'll just tell them to, if you're 0-2 and you start in the year, it's it's time. Uh, you, you, I mean, you got to really look at your team, right? You got to reassess your team. You got to work the waivers. You got to work the trades. You got to look at the teams. You got to maybe take that alpha player on your team, right? Whether that's a, your first round pick and see if you can turn that into two valuable maybe wide receiver two, running back twos. You got to look at seeing how you can stretch your team and make it better in different ways. Work the waivers, work the trade lines. Um, you know, you don't want to fall to 0-3 hole. You know, the season's only so long. You want to start getting – get a W in the column. That's what the advice I would give them. Yeah. Nah, basically similar advice. What I would say is definitely, to me, make waivers your first priority and see what you can get there before you go out – and preemptively make a trade. So see if you can get some type of value from the waiver wire. And then if there isn't anything that that lands to you there, then definitely start kind of assessing your roster. Look at what your strengths and weaknesses are um, and, and go and start assessing other teams and see where you can find, okay, if I'm very strong at running back and I'm seeing that these other teams are facing injuries there, then I may be in the market to be able to to ship off a running back or so and gain some depth from a wide receiver standpoint. So I wouldn't say 100% just press the panic button right now and just make a crazy deal just for the sake of making it. Truly evaluate yourself, evaluate where your team is as well too. You know, have you lost two games to two of the top teams in your league where you still sit as one of the top three or top five scorers? And is it just matchups that has done it to you? Or are you a bottom dweller, honestly, in your league where you scored, you know, the least amount of points each week where, like Los is saying, maybe you need to build out some depth and not just depend on one big name or so. So I think evaluating all those different things, assess the waiver wire, assess how many points and different things you've scored. Has it been the matchups that's led to the start? Or if you just compare yourself to the league at this point, does your team honestly kind of suck? Yeah, that's really good. Uh, good advice. I, I would say on my end, I think you have to, you know, um, I'm kind of on the other end of it uh, in, in evaluating your team. You don't want to pull the trigger too fast because like Los mentioned, you do have the way why available to you. Um, and then you have to just see if, if it's even worth it, because, you know, the way I was able to talk through my losses and why I lost, I could very well have been one and one. Um, you know, I can't control injuries, but to go against a Tyreek Hill, who did what he did in week one. I mean, I think I would be right in saying that a lot of people who went against Tyreek Hill lost as well, you know, and I, you know, I look at my record, I, you may be fine. You know, you might be on two now, but you may have really just had 
some bad luck in your first two games. So, you know, you have to be careful of blowing up your team and so quick to make trades because that you could very well be doing more harm than good there. So um, that's the advice I have for the 0-2. It's not over for you, uh, but, you know, hopefully those uh, little nuggets will help you uh, moving forward. Um, as we wrap this thing up, we can't we can't go on without talking about prime time, right? What a game Saturday night, late game. I actually was up watching it. Uh, I didn't fall asleep. Um, and, you know, ultimately probably one of the games of the year so far this year in the college football scene. But if, you know, just to start off, I mean, look at how many celebrities showed out. You got Lil Wayne, you got um, Key Glock, Offset. You got all these guys. The Rock showed up. Um, it, it just was it just what Dion has done so far for college football and what he's done it and putting Colorado, uh, who's a, a two win team last year, putting them on the map, a one team, one win team last year and putting them on the map like he's done, man. I can't speak speak too much on it, but like, man, what did y'all think of that game, man? Man, just crazy from the star power, just from the commentating. I was just honestly. The game just so long, like from like a halftime oh, yeah. standpoint, from getting <laughs> they, started. They brought that up too. It takes an hour to get through the first quarter, like literally. It almost takes an hour. Well, I think I also think the penalties, right? The penalties on Colorado side really stretches the game out as well. Like it was such a long game. Like, then you I add in like, reviews, and then they stop yeah, the clock yeah, yeah. on every first down. It's it, it absolutely a slow yeah. game. Yeah, so that. That would be the one thing if I could improve. They could just make it more efficient. It was just so long. Uh, my wife fell asleep, you know, like by the third quarter, it was over with. She didn't finish it. I mean, I stayed up. Right, she catching strays on the pie. She, <laughs> she ain't even here to defend herself. That's all right. Hopefully she don't listen to this one. <laughs> Hopefully she don't listen to this one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just – it's it, it, it was a good game. I think – I'll say this, right? You look at the – the the favors, right? I think they were 24 point favors going into yeah, that game. I lost Colorado that played one. a hell of a game. Yeah, they had yeah. a good game plan and they had that team, they had Dion's team on the ropes. And to come out and to play a motivated team to give Dion that motivation going into the game about the whole sunglasses. We all know the story of the sunglasses and the hat. And speaking about his mom taught him this, like his mom, like Dion Sanders' mom didn't teach him any manners. When you bring somebody's mom and then to come in and still compete. You know, at a high level, um, I don't know how much of that was Travis Hunter missing most of the game, but they played a good game against Colorado State. Yeah, Colorado State, yeah, right, yeah. Colorado <laughs> State definitely played well. I think the, the crazy thing is just what Dion is doing to the college scene. Like, for people to be this, you know, invigorated by seeing Colorado play, like, us all stand up that late to finish that game because <laughs> we just so intrigued by it, like, it literally set a record. I think they said they had 9.3 million viewers for that game, which was a late night record because people typically don't stay up to watch yeah. those games uh, like that. So it's like what he's doing is really kind of like a innovative disruption to the mm -hmm. college scene. And yeah. it, what I will say is like people are going to see as the season goes on, Colorado, they're going to take their lumps. They're going to kind of struggle in some of those bigger games that they have yeah. coming up with Oregon and with USC, USC. <laughs> and different things of that sort. But what I will say is Dion, it could get scary eventually because people are paying attention. 
a guy that, you know, in, in Bryce Underwood, who was the number one quarterback in the 2025 class, actually a guy that LSU is top two on his list right now between him and Michigan. He's heading out there to Colorado soon for a visit. And I don't like going up against Dion when he's trying to get a recruit at this <laughs> point. Like, I mean, yeah. his pregame speeches be having me feeling like I'm about to suit up oh, with something. Like, on the helmet, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's part. I be, yeah. I be over there saying it's personal. <laughs> so, hey, look, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, you, done, you got No, yeah, no, back. it's good. Uh-huh. I'm just saying it's, it's crazy what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's exciting, and you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a fan. You know, outside of, of course, I'm an LSU Tiger at heart, but you know, uh, deep down, I want him to see the young win. When I think of his story, you know, and you know, Florida State didn't want him, and they, they thought he couldn't coach on this level. Um, so he actually had to go to Jackson State, and you know, Shadoa Stevenson and Travis Hunter went with them, and they proved that their talent is translating to this Power Five level. And Shadour, I mean, I can't say enough about Shadour. It'd probably be a whole nother segment about how special he looks and how how cool and collected he looks in the pocket. And you know, I was telling Los, he he kind of look, you kind of can tell he's been working out with Tom. He he looks a lot of a lot of Tom esque in the pocket and. Um, I mean, just just the talent's unspeakable. Of course, the game didn't end with a nick, which Lowe's talked about with Travis Hunter being hurt. So we we'll want we kind of want to see that's gonna hurt them against Oregon, of course, because you're gonna need every every weapon you can get. But um, I mean, good game. Uh, it's exciting. Um, I don't think college football has really been this exciting. I would say is since maybe Reggie Bush, or you know maybe Mike Vick and and, and those guys when they play, but. Yeah, the excitement in college football is back, and I think that this is the shot that college football needed in the arm. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they do forward. I don't expect them to beat Oregon, but I do expect it to be close. I think right now they're 24-point underdogs, so we'll see. You know, uh, I'll probably take the plus 24 there. I probably would. I think they, they'll they keep it less than 24, but I think them losing Travis Hunter is going to hurt them really, really bad. But Yeah. I mean, losing him is like losing two players. But I'll just say my prediction, and you guys will probably agree with this, is, you know, two or three years now, we're looking at Colorado, depending on how long Deion stay there, they are the next, you know, and I hate to say this as an LSU fan, but the next Alabama where they're constantly up there in that top three, especially once he keep, he gets his guys in there. And as Ramon said, his recruiting class is going to be probably top five because, like you said, people are paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, on that note, we're going to head on out of here. We appreciate everybody for listening and hanging with us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Uh, that subscription means a lot. It makes you be it, – it, um, it, it enables you to be locked in to when we drop content, as well as if you are inclined to leave a review, uh, share with a friend, get our name out there if you enjoy what you heard. So until next time, we are out of here. Later.